Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This episode of the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast is brought to you by Bet Online. If you're into sports betting, Bet Online is where you should go to win money today. Whether it's live bets during the games or futures for who you think will win the championship, Bet Online has all the latest odds, news, and information for all your online betting needs. Visit the website today or your mobile device to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So before the next big game, head over to Bet Online and start playing today. You can bet on the current futures. You can even already bet on the Rookies of the Year for the NBA and the 2021-2022 NBA Championship. Lakers 3 to 1, Brooklyn Nets 13 to 4. Go to betonline.ag or use the mobile app and hit Bet Online. Your online sports betting experts. everybody, welcome back to the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Bobby LaMarco, here to bring you episode 427, team previews, the Pittsburgh Steelers. A lot of exciting young talent on this team. If you've been with the TCK pod over the last couple of weeks, we've been breaking down all the team previews all the way through the middle of August. We'll be going into the NFC North next week. If you haven't checked out our Bengals preview, it dropped today. Also, the Browns and Ravens with Sky dropped two days ago. Go check out those podcasts, guys. We had great guests on, and we have another great guest on today. Remember now, our podcast, of course, is partnered with Believe Podcast Network. Please make sure you're going to follow the Believe Podcast Network on all their social medias. Also, go check out all their great podcasts. They have over 300 podcasts on their network. It's a fantastic place to go find great content. And former athletes are on there as well, so make sure you're going to follow them. If you're following us on YouTube, first of all, make sure you guys are subscribed to our channel. Please rate and review it whenever you can, guys. We really do appreciate your feedback. It goes a long way to help us out. But if you don't, just follow us on YouTube. And you're interested where else we provide content. Me and Sky are all over everywhere. We have Twitter, at Sky Gawasco, and at Bobby Lamarco. We also have Instagram. It's FantasyFootball underscore TCK for the TCK bot. And myself, at FantasyFootballXFactor. We also have TikTok now. And I've been talking about this a lot. I'm doing a lot of quick updates on there. Anytime there's a, uh, a breaking update or something like that, I actually jump on TikTok, do a quick video. So make sure you follow the TCK pod on, 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 on TikTok. Now, before we bring on our guests, I want to make sure we're highlighting our advertisers, our, our partners. And the first one is Red Zone Draft Boards. First off, guys, if you are doing an in-person draft this year and gals, make sure you're doing it with draftwithredzone.com. If you use the promo code TCK, you get 10% off your order. The best thing is it's not just a draft board, guys. You get a little bit of everything. You get a actual ring, a part of the kit. That right there is probably a $50 value. That ring comes with an engraved case. Also get a last place sign. You can put whatever you want on there and make the last place person draft in it. That's a really funny concept. You also get this massive draft board that comes with a thou- uh, 400 plus player stickers. I always like to bring up it has Young Way Koo. Who doesn't want a Young Way Koo sticker just in their possession? And then, of course, guys, this all goes to a good cause. $5 for every draft board goes to help underprivileged kids play sports. So that's just another great aspect of this. Now, without further ado, I'm going to introduce our co-host, my co-host, my special guest, Alex from Fresh Fantasy. What's going on, brother? 
What's going on, man? I, I love the show and I love what's going on here. I'm so excited to talk about the Steelers today. One of the best teams to cover in fantasy, a fantasy goldmine over the last, I mean, since Big Ben started, whether it's Le'Veon Bell, Antonio Brown, maybe throw back to Heath Miller and some of those boys. Uh, Heath I love Miller. It. Team now. I mean, this is a, a new generation of Steelers that I think are going to be big for the fantasy community going forward. Yeah, and Alex broke it to me earlier. He told me he's not technically a Steelers fan, but he's a big advocate of the Steelers for fantasy. 100%. I heard you're now you're a Patriots fan. How you? Let's. I know it's the Steelers pod, but tell us a little bit about your Patriots. How are you feeling about Cam Newton this year, or do you think Mac Jones is going to be the guy? I'm feeling great. I, I think Cam's going to be the guy this year. I mean, I think the thing I point to last year, I thought Cam was okay, but Cam has a whole new top four weapons this year. I mean, I love what this team's doing. I think they retooled their defense. We led the league in opt-outs last year, and almost all those guys are back this year. We added a ton of guys in free agency, spent more money than we ever have. And the biggest thing I will say that I love, and I'll shut up because no one wants to hear about the Patriots, <laughs> is the fact that they got these two tight ends, and Hunter Henry yeah. and Johnny Smith. I don't love them amazing as players, but with Cam Newton playing those two tight end stats, and you get Bill Belichick, the greatest coach of all time, to coach up some madness in there, um, I think this is going to be a solid team. I don't know about a Super Bowl contender, but I think this is a team that's going to win 10 or 11 games this year, and I think they're going to be better than people realize. All right, man. Listen, all right. That's I wanted to give you a shout-out for your Patriots. I know because we're here. We're just here to help you get you loosened up a little bit, but we're here to talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, the Steelers, of course, are one of the most int interesting teams because – they oddly were good for fantasy, but it just didn't look great in the process. You know, three receivers were fantasy relevant. Big Ben had some games, but he really wasn't that fantasy relevant. James Robinson had some weeks here and there. Benny Snell had a couple uh, big carry games. But overall, Eric Ebron even flirted with some fantasy value. But it doesn't feel right to draft these guys really high going into 2021. But the good news is Big Ben is heading into another year removed from his major arm injury, which should be something better for these receivers. But let's talk about the other aspects of this team. The first off, they're transitioning to Matt Canada. This does not seem like your typical hire your QB coach. It feels like Matt Canada is going to bring a whole new type of offense to this scheme. Um, Matt Canada, I'm sure you're going to break us down a little bit about him, but he's mostly been in college. He's been an OC for like 15,000 teams. It feels like it's like Maryland, North Carolina state, Indiana, Wisconsin. It's like he was all over the place, but he's had a lot of success, especially in the ground game. Uh, so he's an interesting hire for this offense. One of my biggest pain points and when we get to Najee Harris, we'll talk about this too, is the offensive line. I mean, for what it's worth. This, the, they fell from grace really fast. It started when they lost their offensive line coach. Mike Munchek left to go to Denver. That started kind of the, the process that we saw this cliff for that elite offensive line that made Le'Veon Bell look like the most dynamic running back in football. They lost Andre de Villanueva, the PFF number 28 tackle. Marquise Pouncey was the PFF number 30 center. Matt Filer was just the 32nd guard in PFF grades. But those guys were all veterans. They were solid. They had continuity. Now, granted, they didn't play too good, but at some point you got to feel like they're bringing in all this young talent. They were, they signed Trey Turner, who basically had a, he was like one of the worst guards last year, but he's had he's had some good years, like for the Chargers, for example, back in the day, played for the Panthers briefly. They also drafted Kedrick Green, who should be starting at center, and Dan Moore is another player they drafted for the offensive line. But they also have Kevin Doxson, a couple young guys on the offensive line. They also got rid of David DeCastro, which was very surprising, especially after all the players they lost. I didn't even put it in my notes. I just realized now that they got rid of David DeCastro too. So they're starting five new players 
on the offensive line, or at least five players at a new position because they have one guy moving spots. Now they re-signed Juju. They drafted Najee Harris and Pat Firemuth. So much going. I just feel like this is so much talent on this team. Before we dive into the players, Alex, talk to me a little bit about how you feel about this, the offensive change and offensive line play. Yeah, I think the offensive change is going to be good for them. I think we saw them last year when they started 11-0, and they did not finish hot. And that carried right over into the playoffs. And I think that's why I love the hire of Matt Canada, because I think this is going to be a little bit more balanced team. I mean, they can be because they drafted Najee, and they didn't have a true running back last year. But I thought with this offense with Randy Fickner, got a little bit too predictable. And I think it was nice for fantasy pass catchers and our all the wide receivers last year, eight, just because of the passing volume. But I think that Matt Canada, regardless of what this offensive line is going to be, is going to balance out this offense a lot more. And I think this going to help for a veteran team that has a solid offense good defense I think it's a really good hire but as for the offensive line I mean obviously it's concerning I think they're going to have a bottom three offensive line in football um, for Najee we'll get into that later I don't think it's going to affect him enough purely because of volume and with the offensive line I think it benefits guys like Deontay Johnson and Juju Smith-Schuster a little bit more than it does Chase Claypool because they won't have that time to pass a little bit we'll get into that a lot later but this offensive line is obviously really concerning and from a real life football perspective I don't know but this team also always finds a way to eat in fantasy and I think they're going to continue to do that this year all right man uh, you know something that, just about Matt Canada before we even get started something I thought was really interesting when you actually look at the players he coached you know he coached a lot of he actually at one point coached four of the Steelers running backs it was Derek Watt with Wisconsin Anthony McFarland at Maryland Jalen Samuel at NC State and James Conner at Pittsburgh wow random fun fact but he was actually a part of four of the Steelers running backs at some point but if you look at his running backs who made it to the pros I mean Darius Geis Yes, granted, that situation went south, but high draft pick. Darrell Williams had success. Naheem Hines, Monty Ball, which was a fun one for a while. James White and Melvin Gordon. So there's a lot of running backs who had success with him in college who got drafted into the pros. But you don't really find much pass catcher. Jacoby Brissett's probably his best quarterback. Then you have, like, DJ Chark at LSU was probably his most notable guy. Um, and, and then there's a bunch of just randoms, like James Hardy from way back in the day who didn't even last. So – I thought that was interesting. It gives me a little more excitement for maybe Najee Harris because it seems like Matt Canada has more of his pulse on the run game. Not sure how it feels about that, but let's, you know what, skip all that. Let's get to the meat where why we're really here. Let's talk a little bit about, and I got lazy. I'll admit it. I put Big Ben, but it still counts. We know who we're talking about, right? Ben Roethlisberger. Now, Roethlisberger last year averaged 21.9 points per game in six point per passing touchdown leagues. That was actually pretty, it was good for 13th amongst uh, quarterbacks last year in points per game. Not not terrible, not bad, whatever. Um, he finished 21st. Right now today, he's 21st in ECR, 22nd in ADP. So he's going outside the top 20 quarterbacks. He's going out at way outside the top 50, 150 at 163. So not a lot of people are drafting Big Ben in single QB leagues, um, even after his high-volume passing season last year, which made him somewhat fantasy relevant. But let's, let's talk about, Alex, how do you feel about Big Ben this year? Is he even close to being on the QB1 radar for you? Are you drafting him anywhere? I, I don't know about the QB1 radar at this point in his career, but I think I, I actually wrote an article on this, and it's actually pretty interesting, and I think he's better than people realize. So since 2013, Big Ben, including last year, has been a QB1 top 12 in points per game 
every single year for fantasy football, except in 2019 where he played two games. Last year, he was the QB 12 on the dot among all quarterbacks to start 12-plus games. But excluding that, it's the seventh straight year he's been top 12 in points per game. And that alone should make you want to draft Big Ben. And I think that, of course, he's older, but now he's two years off that elbow injury. I mean, the first year coming off an elbow injury is a little yeah. scary. I know he's one year older, but he still played 15 games with it. QB 14 overall in fantasy. And I think Matt Canada brings the passing attempts down a little bit, but Again, this is still a team that was top two in pass attempts in three out of the last four years. The one year that they didn't was the year that Big Ben only played two games. So obviously the offense is differently, but like I wrote about in this article that Barack Obama was just getting elected for his second term when Big Ben was the last time that he wasn't a QB1. Call me maybe Carly Rae Jepsen was the number one song in the U.S. at this Love time. It. It's been a long time <laughs> since he's not a QB1 in fantasy, so I'd be nice. willing to take him as a sleeper. You know, it's funny, man. We haven't had a lot of Obama references on here, so I appreciate that. That's that's what that's what we're talking about. We you come for the fantasy football, you stay for the politics. That's what we do on the TCK pod. Uh, so some of the things that I, I want to talk about with Big Ben first is Matt Canada. It sounds like the first thing they're doing is they're trying to implement more motion play action. They're trying to create make their offense less uh, predictable. They think that was the problem last, but. Let me just say something here. Big Ben might not be the most agile guy anymore. Play action might not be the best thing for him. So last year he was dead last in play action pass percentage at 9.6. So they did not use play action. He was the only quarterback that had to get over 10% on the year. He was minus 7.7 completion rate when using play action versus when not using play action and minus 1.1 yards per attempt. So he was a lot worse when using – I don't know if him turning around, play action, trying to move that old body around, trying to find his players is the greatest thing for Big Ben. It makes me a little skeptical of this idea that this new motion offense is going to really fit Big Ben. He kind of likes the idea of being in shotgun, getting the ball, seeing the field, get it out of his hands. Um, is that the best thing for the Steelers? Probably not. But at the same time, you have to play to the strengths of your, your players. And it's interesting. I, I, I'm hoping we get some glimpses in – in preseason, maybe a series or two of this offense to see how Big Ben looks. Because based on some of his numbers last year, I'm not 100% convinced of this idea that this all-lose offense could be good for him. But what are your overall thoughts about Matt Canada with Big Ben? Do you think there's – you think this – I know you kind of feel it's a good thing, but any hesitation at all that Big Ben can kind of support three receivers? Definitely hesitation that he could support three receivers. Um, I, I will say I'm not high on all these receivers. We'll get into that later. Um, I, I actually think for the receivers, for like the like last year, great with Randy Fickner. But with Matt Canada, I don't think this is good for the receivers. I don't think it's as bad as people think they are because they have Najee Harris. They're going to run the ball, of course. Yeah. But I think that there's no chance they're going to be able to support three wide receivers. I think there is an odd man out, but I really think there's only one guy I truly believe in in this offense. We'll get that later. One more guy with potential, and one guy I am not drafting at all in fantasy this year. A little teaser in the middle of the episode. I like that. All right, so let's move on to Najee Harris. Now, Najee Harris is a, you know, right now today, the rookie, the guy that everybody wants. Um, he's – most it sounds like he's going to be a three down back the focal point of this offense which would be a complete 180 from last year um Najee Harris right now expert consensus ranking has him at running back 13 they have ADP at or running back 12 and he's going at 16th overall so you are taking premium draft capital Najee Harris tell me how you feel about Najee are you buying him at the middle of or almost the top of the second round ahead of some big time receivers and guys like 
Joe Mixon, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I'm willing to buy him all day at that range. I'm not saying he's my, my favorite draft target, but he's a guy that I'm going to be buying a lot. And then quite simply, this is a stat from Ian Hart. It's a friend of my show. Um, he said that with running backs with 320-plus touches are RB1s 98% of the time. That's 20 touches a game. And for running backs that have 280-plus touches a game, sorry, overall, which is 17 and a half a game, those running backs are RB1s 87% of the time. And then you take those numbers and then you put him on a good offense like the Steelers that I think are still going to be solid at the end of the day. And then you add that and the fact that Najee is a talented running back who's going to be on the field for three downs. I think it's a virtual lock that if he plays all 17 games this year that he is going to be an RB1 based off that stat alone. Um, I think that he is the second best running back in this draft class. I think there's a lot of good receivers and two really good tight ends maybe some 12 personnel that'll open up the game still a good defense that's going to give him a lot of positive game scripts where he's going i would take him over joe mixon i would take him over cladro z lair um i think i have him as my running back 10 right now so i'd be i'm definitely willing to draft Najee harris a lot okay we're going to put you on the spot later okay. um on the clock see how you feel when there's some okay. guys like aaron jones are floating around see okay. if you feel there but you know what this is the thing i wanted to take a look first of all, the preseason game okay all right, this is just – I was – all right. I might be – I think I'm going crazy. I think I'm going crazy because people are talking about Najee Harris like, oh, my God, he looks so good. He had seven carries for 22 yards against backups. What are we doing, people? I mean, I was horrified. Like, people are literally like, oh, man, looks sharp, looking good, man. He bounces like a six-yard run, and I'm like, and I'm like okay, yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. And then you go back and look at the stats, and you're just like – he had like minus four yard run, three yards, three yards, six yards. It's like, this is what I'm worried about. The offensive line is not good. It was ranked dead last last year in adjusted line yards. And now it's just five new guys playing five new positions. It's just, I have a feeling that Najee Harris, and this is what led me down this path. And this is kind of explaining why I wanted to take a look at this. You're right. The stats you just talked about, if he plays 17 games or 16 games, or whatever you want to throw out, he's going to be an RB1 because he's going to be a featured RB. And I totally get that. So I looked at the last last year's top five running backs, to see where they finished on a points-per-game basis. Because my my gripe with Harris is, yes, if, if I feel like a lot of these guys play 16 games that are in this range. They're probably going to be RB1s. I it's agree. just that some guys drop down the 12 games. Some guys get hurt early. And then it's just the guys who end up blasting. Like a prime example of this. So last year, you got the obvious guys, Derrick Henry, Dalvin Cook, both studs, both finished top four in points per game. But then the, the RB3 in carries last year was Josh Jacobs. Finishes the RB12 in points per game. David Montgomery, RB8, awesome. But Zeke Elliott was number five. He finishes the RB16 in points per game in half-point PPR. The point is, yes, he finishes a top 10 running back on the season because he played 15 games. But on a points-per-game basis, being a true difference maker, Zeke was not a difference maker last year. Finishing as the RB16, that's exactly how I feel about Najee Harris. That being said, I think Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and Joe, Joe Mixon and him are kind of like – they feel like I they agree. have the same argument. They're so yep. tough that you see the upside. But the other thing that worries me about Najee Harris is the target. So the last two full seasons, in 2020 and 2018, Big Ben was the quarterback. They finished tied for dead last in target percentage to running backs in 2020, and they were 29th in 2018. So he stopped targeting the run. Once Le'Veon Bell and that little pipe dream ended in 2017 – Big Ben has faded away from his running backs in the past game. He's looked more to his tight ends. We saw it with Eric Ebron last year. So if Harris is not giving you an elite passing game and he has one of the worst lines in football, I have a feeling, yes, he's going to have the volume, but I don't know if he's going to be a difference maker. Like, I'd rather take a chance on Clyde personally, but 
any more thoughts about Harris? Uh, anything I brought up that you want to point out or talk against or what? Tell, tell me what you think. Yeah, I, I think you make a lot of good points there. I, I think that's very fair. Um, I think this is one of the rare arguments where people that know me would kind of be like shaking their finger a little bit because I'm someone in the first two rounds. I only want to draft guys that I think legitimately have a top five upside. I don't like yeah. guys like Nick Chubb that are going to be solid for you, but they are not going to win you your league. I'm sorry, yeah. a whole another argument for another day. But, <laughs> but Najee Harris, I think he's as solid as it gets. I think he's a guy that hasn't had much injury history. But I think that Najee Harris is by far the best pass catcher that I mean, Big Ben has had since Le'Veon Bell. I'm not saying yeah. maybe Alvin Kamara, Naeem Hines, or someone crazy like that. But I think he's going to get enough work and enough touches that he will automatically be there. I don't have a lot of injury concerns for him, so I think he will be okay. But I, I'm with you. I can't stand the people that are, I mean, over one preseason game where oh, I mean, Big Ben's not even the quarterback. They're playing against backups, and dude, I know. I mean, their week one is over 30 days away right now. I know, I know. It's so ridiculous. <laughs> and it was seven for 22. I can understand if you get like eight for 50. You're like, yeah. oh. Okay, yeah. Let's, yeah. let's move on before this whole podcast becomes about pre, uh, the Hall of Fame game. All right, let's talk about the next guy we want to spotlight. Is Deontay Johnson, a very polarizing player. I talked about this earlier with the Alex that I saw him in a draft go at the 3-4 turn, which is deep down I loved it, but I'm like, damn, that seems early. But Deontay, you know, listen, he had the volume, but he had the drop. So last year he was – he had averaged 12 points per game on the dot. 20, he finished 21st in points per game overall. Something I like to bring up, though, he had two games he left early, and it's kind of – you don't realize that his points per game jumps significantly when you take out those two random games where he got hurt with a concussion. I think it was a back injury or something, too, that he ended up missing another game. But right now today, even though he had that top 21 finish, even with 12 points per game, he's going expert consensus ranking 22, ADP 20, and he's going 47th overall. That's about the back of the fourth round. So how do you feel about Deontay Johnson? Are you buying him at his current cost? What's your thoughts? Well, on my Twitter bio, for people that don't know me, I am the president of the Deontay Johnson fan club, but I'm not someone that's president just to be president. I'm because I'm a full believer in this player. Deontay Johnson last year from week six on was the wide receiver seven in half PPR, which people do not talk about enough. And the reason I don't include those first five weeks are because he had a solid first two games, and then he had a game with 24% of the snaps, a game with 8% of the snaps, and then a missed game. And then you throw those four, and you have the wide receiver seven for the rest of the season. The biggest thing that people do not talk about enough with him is reception perception with Matt Harmon, where he charts how well receivers get open. And he finished in the 95th percentile since 2014 beating man coverage, 96th percentile in beating zone. The only guys to top those marks last year were Stephon Diggs, Terry McLaurin, and A.J. Brown. 86 percentile in beating press coverage. He beat double teams 87% of the time. And again, for the people that are saying Matt Canada, they're going to run the ball more. I did a study on this. I looked into this for you so you don't have to. If you took the Steelers' worst pass attempt since 2013 and multiplied that by Deontay Johnson's 22.9% target share, that's 133 targets when he had 144 last year. And that includes the games that he played 24% of the snaps and 8% of the snaps. And after that, like people talk about the drops. And the drop thing doesn't make sense to me either because, okay, sure, he had 10 to 16 drops depending on the site that you look like. But that's 10 to 16 times that he was open. That's all kinds of yards and maybe touchdowns that come up. But people don't realize that drops are not 50-50 balls that people drop. They are charted open passes that people drop. And that's not good. But Deontay Johnson was 16th in true catch rate his rookie year. It's not a sticky stat, but it shows how open he was. And people don't understand how ridiculous it is. The one thing I will say with reception perception, Matt Harmon put this out the other day. For guys that hit over the 90th percentile or he hit the 95th, 
those guys the next season averaged over 83 receiving yards per game on average. And he finished on the higher end at 95 compared to 91. I'm all in on this guy. The last thing I'm going to say, Bobby, I know I'm long-winded on this. Uh, I told, I, no, I gave you the, I told you at the yeah. beginning of this podcast, I want everything. So bring it. Let's go. This is the craziest thing. And Fantasy Pros put this out the other day. Deontay Johnson is currently the only player in the entire NFL and fantasy that is going outside the top 12 wide receivers that had more than eight and a half targets per game last year. Let's take that one step further. He is the only player going outside the top 40 players right now that had more than eight and a half targets per game. He's going at 51. This guy's absolutely ridiculous. He's always open. Reception perception proves that. Big Ben loves him. He is the guy for this team this season. And the last thing I will say, I promise last thing, last thing, look at the Antonio (laughs) Brown comparisons. This guy always is open. They're both 5'10". Deontay Johnson is two pounds lighter. I mean, they're, they're, and the height is the exact same. I'm not saying he's Antonio Brown or he's going to be Antonio Brown, but reception, perception, what he did last year, it's so underrated. Deontay Johnson's the man this year. Okay, so one of the things I, – I'm, I'm, I'm on Deontay. I, I have a feeling that – I saw that – so the thing I brought up earlier with the 3-4 turn, when the guy took him, I, I was like, I totally get it. And my thing is I feel that strongly about him to go in that range because you're going with guys like Amari Cooper, CD lamb, even guys like uh, Mike Evans, Julio Jones are going around that area. But when you look at, okay, so what I did is I wanted to pull some data out. The first thing I did is I took out the games. Deontay Johnson got hurt and I took out the week 17 game because that was the game. Eric Ebron didn't play. So I wanted to look at the games where Ebron chase uh, chase uh, Claypool Juju and Deontay played together. Because that gives you a better understanding of how Big Ben treated when he had all his weapons. Deontay Johnson in those 12 games, 14 points per game. That would have been good for wide receiver 12 last year. Then it goes to Juju at 12.6. Chase Claypool's at 9.1. It's not even close. It's about 4.9 points less. And Juju was the clear number two in those 12 games, and they played together. So right there you see wide receiver one numbers in the games when he was healthy and he was playing. Then I took it another step. I actually looked at the last 10 years of drop data, and I wanted to see if a player has over 10 drops in a season, how do they fare the next season? So what I found is 60 players qualified and played the next year. That's 10 years, about six per year. On average, the the season they had the double-digit drops, they averaged 11.5. The next season, it dropped to six. So almost half. So if – for that example, you're looking at six to seven more receptions from Deontay last year. And actually just ballparked. That's about another 0.6 to seven points per game for him. Now, if you add that onto the 14, you're looking at 14.7. That's like DeAndre Hopkins numbers. 14.6 points per game in half point PPR. So that gets me real excited about Deontay Johnson. I think the question really comes is if you're that high on him, you have to pull the trigger if you where you're drafting, if you're the back end of the first round, you hit that three, four turn, you have to pull the trigger. He's not going to make it back to you. The question yep. comes is, are you willing to take him over guys? And we'll put you on the clock later. We'll talk well, through it. Please. But like Mike, yeah, Mike Evans and all those. So I think it's a great nugget. But let's if you have anything, I think you've already talked a lot about the Do you have anything yeah. else you want to add? No, I don't have anything to add, but other, I mean, yeah. I, don't, I don't know if I'd take him at the end of the third round. That's just a little too pricey for me. I mean, yeah. it's not like he's still not risky, but again, once you get into the fourth round, I'm drafting him all day, every single pick. 
if, for example, you can get him at the four five turn, I mean, that's just wheels up in my opinion, because right there you, you got CMC Dalvin cook in the first round, the back of the second, if you can get like an elite, another, like a Clyde Edwards Hilaire and maybe a, even a Justin Jefferson in that range. And then you pair him with Deontay Johnson, forget about it. You just killed the draft. All right, let's talk about the next guy on the list. It's Chase Claypool. Technically, Chase Claypool is being drafted today on NFC ADP, one, a few spots higher than Juju. So he's our number two we're going to talk about today. Last year, he had 11.6 points per game. That was good for the wide receiver, 26 in half-point PPR. He's going just inside the top 30, according to expert consensus ranking at 29. His ADP is 29, and he's going at pick 70, which is the back of the sixth round. So what are your thoughts about Chase Claypool in 2021? I think he's interesting. I mean, first of all, Chase Claypool is a freak of an athlete. He's 6'4", 238, runs a 4'4", 240 yard dash, 99th percentile speed score, 91st percentile burst score for player profile. You couldn't ask for much more of an athlete. But I mean, last year he scored nine receiving touchdowns in the back of 109 targets, 62 catches, two rushing touchdowns. That's not too shabby. But the biggest thing that scares me is Big Ben's arm. So Big Ben last year averaged his lowest pass attempt of his entire career with 6.3. His previous low in his career was 7.3, which is a whole yard above what he did last year. I mean, this is also the same guy that's coming off career-threatening elbow surgery in 2019 and is now heading into his age 39 season. But I mean, again, before you yell at me that like his big his inefficiency affects all of them, there's no one that it affects more than Claypool. Claypool had the highest yards per target on the team with 7.9 last year, and Juju had 6.5, Deontay had 6.4. So that noodle arm for Big Ben does not show a lot of goodness. And Chase Claypool last year was 90th in the NFL in true and catchable target percentage. I, we talked about the offensive line. Big Ben is obviously fading, even if he's still okay for fantasy. It's just not good for Chase Claypool. I don't think the offensive line is going to give him enough time. I don't think he's going to be throwing a lot of deep passes. Uh, I, again, Chase Claypool, I'm, I'm willing to take the shot because of the athleticism I talked about. I'm fine if people take a shot, especially where he's going. I'm not blaming you for the draft price or where you're taking him. He could be great this year. I'm just saying I'd rather take Deontay at his price, but I would rather take Claypool than Juju, and we'll get into that later. So I looked at I just wanted to take a look at Claypool's games when Deontay was out. So I looked at those three games where he left early or he didn't play. 50 he had 58.1 points in those three games. That was 31% of his total in those three games without without Deontay Johnson. That wow. blew me away. So 31% of his points came without Deontay in the lineup or being a significant part of the game plan because he got hurt. Uh, so that right there seems like a little bit red flag. Then I just brought up the stats earlier. He had 9.1 points per game versus 14 and 12.6 for, for Juju in the 12 games they all played together. So Claypool was clearly viewed as the third option. It could have been because of the fact that he was that deep threat, but he was 30 targets behind Juju and 50 behind Deontay Johnson in those games. Deontay Johnson had 132 targets in 12 games. Like, yeah, we're not on Deontay. I'm sorry. Now, now I'm the one going on rants about Deontay. But another thing I want to talk about, too, is his, his touchdown percentage. 38% of his fantasy points comes from touchdowns. That's like Tyree killed Devontae Adams' numbers from last year. And Devontae Adams and and Tyree Kill were number one and two in fantasy, and they, they were, like, dominant on that high touchdown rate. And Claypool was, you know, high-end wide receiver three. So that just worries me a little bit. It makes me – if he gets that high touchdown percentage and he doesn't get in you in that wide receiver one range, makes you a little worried because that's not really sustainable for receivers to be that high. Last thing I want to talk about too is just his coin – he's a coin flip. Uh, last year I looked at how many times he finished in double-digit fantasy points and half-point PPR. It was literally 50% of his games. So half the time he's in double digits, 
Halftime, he's not. That's good for 32nd in the NFL last year. But he's more of a – it seems like he's a boomer bust, best ball type guy in my opinion. Um, maybe someone better in standard than PPR. But any other thoughts about Chase Claypool before we go to your favorite receiver? Yeah, I, I don't I don't have any problems people taking him. But again, like you said, I think you pointed out a, you made a lot of great points to the boomer bust. And when he played with those guys that he just wasn't the same. Okay, of course, I hear you people. I hear you voice public opinion. He's going into his second year. He's obviously going to be better. But again, I don't mind taking a flyer on him at his price. He's just not the guy that I'm going to be taking. But, you know, fair enough with there. All right, let's hop over to Juju, the the uh, like the twenty five year old veteran on this team apparently. So Juju has been a roller coaster of a player. I mean, it seemed like early on in his career he was actually coming a top ten receiver in drafts, being drafted just a couple years ago in the, the third round because he was one of those elite guys. Um, when you look at Juju's season last year, it might not have been as bad as everyone made you think it was. Eleven point six points per game. That was just behind Chase Claypool. He finishes the wide receiver twenty seven. Uh, in fantasy, which is fine, nothing great. And he's kind of now going expert consensus rated 30, ADP wide receiver 30, and he's going one spot, literally one spot behind Chase Claypool at 71. So at the back of the sixth round, I think you're kind of getting him at where he was last year, where he produced. But what are your thoughts about Juju? Are you completely fading him? What is your thoughts for 2021? I'm off him, and I don't think people realize how not great he's been since Antonio Brown left. So he's played 28 games over the last two seasons without Antonio Brown. In those games, he's averaged only 49.4 receiving yards per game. And then with Chase Claypool emerging, Deontay Johnson emerging, last year Juju averaged a career low 8.6 yards per reception, where his previous low was 12.8. Like, maybe you're thinking it's a small sample size. I don't think so. He played 16 games last year, and he had the second most targets of his career. And again, Juju's entering his fourth season. I don't think he's ascending the same way that Chase Claypool entering his second, Deontay Johnson entering his third is. And the biggest thing, and again, I'm going to talk about it again, is reception perception. Again, what reception perception does is it charts how well the receivers get open, regardless of scheme or anything else. And again, Randy Fickner's scheme might help Juju a lot last year because Juju is one of the worst receivers in all of reception perception. And it shows against man coverage, he placed in just the fourth percentile among all receivers that means that 96 percent of them were better playing against man against zone he was a lot better second he's 72nd percenter he's better against zone he's good at finding gaps in zones and getting open against press he was in the sixth percentile i mean this dude just does not get open against man coverage i'm not saying he's a terrible player but for me i'm saying claypool and deontay are still ascending deontay johnson is an absolute animal of a wide receiver and this offense is going to be a lot less pass attempts last year and i think the biggest thing that it hits is someone like juju when these other guys are ascending i'm just not willing to take on this price and the last thing i'll say is what's his ceiling right now when he's playing with two ascending receivers that are both getting better every year what's his ceiling why are you drafting him at wide receiver 28 or wide receiver 30 when his ceiling unless one of these guys gets hurt is so low because everything points to him being the third receiver in this offense so why on earth are you drafting him when he has no real upside when you can draft someone like jerry judy going after him that could literally lead his team in targets and be a top 20 yeah. receiver this year why are you drafting juju if he doesn't have the ceiling that's the thing i don't understand at that point in the draft i think the point so this is the one i want to play devil's advocate a little bit okay mm-hmm. since since antonio brown left in 2018 2019 mason rudolph here i mean come on like that wasn't peak. Last year, too, was the first year Big Ben was back yep. um, after the arm injury. So it's like I almost feel like it's comparing apples to oranges a little bit because A.B. was peak Ben. Ben was still in his prime doing his thing, and then he gets that serious arm injury. They dealt with that hodgepodge of quarterback. 
Duck Hodges throwing, slinging it. I don't know if that's really going to win you some fantasy leagues, but to be fair to Juju. But I just think you're 100% right. I think the point that you made, I agree with the most, is what's the ceiling? With Chase Claypool and even guys like Ebron, Pat Firemuth, Najee Harris, like all this well-rounded receiving core, what's his ceiling? He might be a solid PPR guy. He might be becoming like late, like Jarvis Landry type where – yeah, he's going to probably – he might finish as the wide receiver 27, 28. Maybe I'll kick his ADP a little bit. But you're not going to win the league because you've drafted Juju Smith-Schuster. Plus, I might rather have Tyler Boyd, who's going a whole round later, another slot receiver in the position on a team that's going to throw probably a lot more young ascending quarterbacks. So I do agree with you there. But one thing I will say about Juju, though, he does offer a nice floor. So last year, even in this disaster of a season, he actually was 17th in the NFL amongst wide receivers with finishing with double-digit fantasy points and half-point PPR at 62.5%. So he was still a top-20 receiver. He offers you a nice floor, but he doesn't have any ceiling anymore. He's not winning you any week. So I do agree that maybe if you're more – I think I, I draft, like you said, I, I like to find guys that I feel like can crush their ADP. I don't like to play it safe, especially when you get to the middle rounds – you're going to start getting to a point in the draft where you can't lose your week league, but you can win it. Like if you draft the right guys, like a Will Fuller last year in the first 10 weeks or so was a fantastic pick, high risk, high reward. But if you flop in the seventh round and pick a bad player, it, you're still fine if you did, did, did good rounds one through six. You know what I mean? So yep. that's how I feel about Juju, but I do agree with that. So before we, before we get into the – the, Can I, can I, I interrupt yeah, you? Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. So please, I, this is actually really crazy to me. Um, and I didn't realize this before you started talking about it. One of the things that you said is, okay, is it really fair to talk about Juju? Because he's again, last year was the Mason Rudolph year without Antonio Brown. You'd expect him to be a lot better with Big Ben even coming off the elbow surgery than he was with Mason Rudolph with no, with no Claypool and Deontay in his rookie year, right? So you add in Deontay, and then you add in Chase Claypool, and Juju only had six yards per game better. Than last yeah. year, year with Mason Rudolph. He averaged 52 yards a game last year with Big Ben, 46 the year before with Mason Rudolph, with Ju- with sorry, with Deontay as a rookie and no Claypool. Again, I, I just I, I don't see it. And like you said, when you're drafting in the seventh, eighth round, you have to be drafting for upside because at that point, if you get a solid replacement level player, he's not going to win you a league when you're competing against nine, 11, 15 guys. It's just not going to win you a league. Yeah. All right, man, let's kick it over to – now that we got through the hot stuff, let's talk about – let's cool things down and talk a little bit about some of these tight ends. I know Pat Firemuth. I heard some good news about him. Uh, maybe not a redraft guy, of course, the rookie tight end thing. I know Kyle Pitts is everyone's loophole this year. But Pat Firemuth might be a dynasty guy. Eric Ebron last year, you know, listen, he had 7.6 points per game. He was the tight end 16 last year, and he's kind of an afterthought now. Even though, granted, he finished – in the top 16, he's going tight end 26. And he's going outside the top 200. Let's try to incorporate both these guys. Are you interested in any of these guys in redraft or dynasty? What's your thoughts about the Steelers tight ends? I mean, I, I think, I think Friar and dynasty, I'd be a little bit more interested in just because again, he was the second tight end drafted this year. I think after Kyle Pitts, a lot of people liked him yeah. and said some good things about him for redraft this year. Absolutely not for either of them. I think last year with the passing volume, like we talked about, Ebron had some solid games. When you have two tight ends now that are both talented, um, I and like I just don't see it happening in redraft, especially with this offense when there's a lot of other talented players. I'd rather go to an offense that has less mouths to feed and take a shot on one of those tight ends. But for Fryermuth, Juju's on a one-year contract. 
Ebron might be gone after next year. So maybe Fryermuth next year could be the third option with Claypool and Deontay. Um, so I think it's a little bit more interesting. But for redraft this year, I'm not targeting either of them. Yeah, I agree too. I, I actually was in like in the 20th plus round or something of a league. And it's kind of – it's hard to explain, but we have 10 weeks of best ball and then we do set your lineups, right? So it's kind of like this weird hybrid. Okay. Um, and I drafted a tight end. I got TJ Hawkinson in the back of the fifth round. And I ended up taking Eric Ebron in like the round 21st round or something as my second tight end. Just God forbid something happens to TJ Hawkinson. I don't plan on playing him, but at least he was all he was around enough. He was very consistent in the sense of being like below low tight end one, high end tight end two. Didn't offer you a lot of boom weeks, but the thing is, like, I just feel like this offense. I, I just what if the running game doesn't become the you have to sometimes think outside the box like Absolutely. what if the running game does not click what if the line doesn't click and the volume stays the same what if Big Ben's chucking it again and and if Ebron's a top 15 to 17 tight end whatever I'm not drafting him in redraft trust me if this wasn't like 20 plus rounds I'm not touching him uh Pat Firemuth for Dynasty what concerns me about him is just what's Big Ben's future is Dwayne Haskins really as good as what people are saying about him in training camp? Because that's interesting to me. I think Dwayne Haskins is like someone that I'm interested in buying in Dynasty, maybe for like a third or fourth round rookie pick in the future, just to see what happens. Because he could be walking into a situation where he has Pat Firemuth, Najee Harris, Deontay Johnson, and Chase Claypool. That's a pretty solid group of skill position players. What are your thoughts about Dwayne Haskins? Maybe even uh, pair with these guys for Dynasty. Um, I, Again, for Dwayne Haskins, he's played in a couple years in the NFL right now. For me, it's until I see it, I won't believe it. Mm. I'm not someone that's going to believe in him no matter what they're saying. Until I see it, I'm not going to believe it. I'd rather gear my risk towards someone else where I at least know somewhat what a proven commodity is. And all we've seen is from Dwayne Haskins is bad. Does that mean he's going to be bad in the Steelers? Absolutely not. But I'm not willing to take shots until we can see him play a little bit more. So I'd rather gather a little bit of data on that um, before we see anything. But again, like you said, in Dynasty – I would definitely say just take a wait and see. I wouldn't be buying. I would be holding. I think that's the best way I would put it right now. I wouldn't be selling. I'd be holding. All right. All right. All right. Alex, I'm going to give you a couple a couple seconds break here. We're going to jump over to our second sponsor. It's Bomb Banana Hot Sauce. If you haven't been to SeekTheSpice.com and you're a TCK follower, I'm disappointing you. Uh, I did a live taste test with the Mui Mui a couple weeks ago. It was fantastic. I'm not even a big hot sauce guy, but it actually is great flavor. It's banana-based not banana flavored. And the best part of it too is if you use the promo code TCK, you get 10% off your order. Make sure you check it out. Go to seekthespice.com for more details. Now, Alex, let me ask you, before we put you on the clock, are you a spice guy? I like a little bit of spice. I like something where my mouth's going to be burning a little bit, but I don't want to be breathing like a dragon where all I can taste yeah. is spice. I like a good flavor with a nice little, you know, little sizzle, a little sizzle okay. on your tongue, you know? All right. Maybe after the show, let's talk. Maybe I'll hook you up with some bomb right. banana. You get it dry. I got you, man. No worries. So let's get you on the clock. Now it's no more nice guy. I'm here to put you on the clock. I'm here to put right. you to the challenge. So the first guy we're going to talk about is Najee Harris. He's going in the second round. How we play the game is simple. I'm going to give you a list of names. You have all those names available. If you think there's another guy you want to throw in, go ahead. We want to see if you're going to draft a Harris or you're going to draft another guy. So first off, you're in the second round. Aaron Jones is sitting there. You get through pick 13. He's still available. Stephon Tiggs, Diggs, Antonio Gibson, DeAndre Hopkins, Calvin Ridley, and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. So you're on the clock. Are you taking Najee Harris with those guys available? 
Yeah, so I think Najee Harris is interesting, but he'd probably be my third pick in that range. Um, mm-hmm. I'd definitely go Aaron Jones first. He's my running back six right now. This is the guy that's still been a top five running back each of the last two years, playing in one of the best offenses in the NFL, regression or not. I'm going to bet on Aaron Jones, especially without Jamal Williams. I think that means more targets, much better pass catcher than A.J. Dillon. Um, so Aaron Jones would definitely be my pick there. And who's number two? No, I'm in, oh, now you got to be interested. Now you got to oh, be interested. No, Aaron hand, Jones, you said two guys. You'd be the third. Hand, who's your second hand, guy? Hands down, Antonio Gibson. Antonio Gibson okay. has an unbelievable target upside, 150-plus targets to that team last year for the running backs. I mean, he was fifth nice. in PFF rushing grade, a lot of great metrics, and I think he's been a lot better this year. And he's all by all accounts, I've heard the turf toe is not an issue. I draft Antonio Gibson. I love Antonio Gibson. He's my stud of this of uh, the NFC East. I love, love him. It. Love it. Um, all right, let me ask you a question. You know what? Let's just pause for a minute on this. I want to ask you a question. So you said RB six for Aaron Jones. How high are you taking Antonio Gibson? Are you taking him, him ahead of Nick Chubb, uh, Barkley, Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill? <sighs> That's a good question. Okay, I would not. T- I would take him ahead of Nick Chubb. I would take him ahead of Tyreek Hill. I think I'd have to lean on Devontae because of what he did last year. I don't mind taking Tyreek Hill. It would be 50-50. But I just like, okay, for me, in half PPR leagues where there's one flex and two wide receivers, two running backs, I'm going running back heavy because I think wide receivers, there's so many great ones later in drafts. I'm trying to hammer running back as much as I can unless I can get someone like a Devontae Adams over Antonio Gibson. Okay. All right. All right. All right. So let's go to the next team. Uh, next guy is your boy, De- Deontay Johnson. And we talked a little bit about this earlier and how yeah. we're both considering him in that, you know, early fourth, but he's going out pick 47, Julio Jones, Cooper Cup, DJ Moore, then some uh, Lamar Jackson started quarterback. Then you got Tyler Lock and Adam Thielen. With those guys available on the board, are you willing to pull the trigger on Deontay Johnson? So if you asked me a week ago, I would have said no, just because that Julio Jones would probably still be on the board and I'd be willing to take that all day where he's going. Um, mm-hmm. But now because he had a little bit of a hamstring injury and those things yeah. can linger, I think because of safety and everything else I've talked about, I would take Deontay 10 times out of 10 there. But I mean, Julio, otherwise, if he was fully healthy, I would be taking him. But anyone else in that range, I'm taking Deontay. All right. All right. So the last one is a little tricky because you get two for one here. Okay. Uh, Chase Claypool and Juju are going right next to each other, but right before him is like Russell Wilson, Justin Herbert, Odell Beckham, right after Michael Carter, uh, Trey Sermon, Robbie Anderson, but other guys you talked about too, Jerry Judy, Tyler Boyd are going in this range, Raheem Moser, if you're looking for running back. With those guys available, are you willing to pull the trigger on one of these Steelers guys or are you pivoting to another team? I would probably pivot to another team just because of the ceiling. Uh, I think Odell Beckham someone that's interesting because I think he, yeah. he's had a 25% target share each of the last two seasons in Cleveland. I mean, unbelievable reports coming out of camp. But the guy I would take right there if I had that pick on the clock is Jerry Judy. I'm all in on Jerry Judy this year. Yeah, For, I yeah. think the quarterback play is going to improve. I think he's going to be the guy. The one thing I'll say quick, and I'll be quick, um, All-Pro Safety Justin Simmons said that he could be a Pro Bowl or All-Pro receiver this year. Their GM said that this guy is a top-five wide receiver in the NFL – Everything coming out of training report, training camp from beat reporters, from videos, highlights, anything like that. This has been the Jerry Judy show. He's the guy I'm going to take this year because I legitimately think he could be a top 20 receiver if all things go right, similar to what Deontay Johnson did last year. I like the Bridgewater lock. Me too. Combination. I think my yeah. thing, my thought process is we know Teddy B, if he wins the job, can support fantasy relevant receivers. Mm-hmm. I mean, he literally supported three guys last year. Um, and that involves a Cortland Sutton, you know, KJ Hamler, whoever you want to throw out there, no offense. So I have faith in that. But I like the idea if Locke wins the job because Teddy B is a, is a benchmark. And if Locke, Locke has the physical tools, and if he is able to, if, if old school coaches like Vic Fangio and Pat Shermer 
pick him over Teddy B? Because I feel like those guys would favor Teddy B. Don't turn the ball over. Be conservative. We'll win on yeah. defense. Vic Fangio. But if they give the ball to Drew Locke, that gives me more excitement for even Jerry Judy. I agree, man, on Jerry Judy 100%. All right, man, that's all I needed from you for On the Clock. We really appreciate you doing that for us. Before you go, i got to jump on and talk about one more of our sponsors. That's Jersey Jungle. If you guys have been listening to the TCK pod, we've been promoting these guys for a long time. It is the Jersey Jungle on Instagram. All you got to go is to the Jersey Jungle, and you can DM them if you have any questions about types of jerseys. I always tell my followers, go follow them on Instagram. Follow their stories. They post constantly everything that comes in, all their new jerseys. If you use the promo code TCK, you get 10% off one, two, and 15% off jerseys. So while I got you on, we talked about today. And listen, I'll let you add in Patriots players, Jerry, Judy. Which jersey would you get right now? Deontay Johnson. Uh, he won me a lot of leagues last year. We talked before the show. I had him in nine out of 11 leagues. Uh, he'd be the guy that I have to get his jersey because he did a lot of really great things for me last year. And, again, I, I love the guy. I'm the president of the club. He'd be the jersey nice. I get right now. Listen, I might be throwing my hat in for VP soon. I mean, I'm kind of feeling Please. Deontay Johnson, Please. you know, after a good, good podcast. But, Alex, man, we really appreciate being on, dude. Awesome stats. This is what we were looking for. Before you go, why don't you remind everybody where they can find you, your content, and all your all your stuff you're posting for this offseason. Yeah, so the best ways to find me, first and foremost on Twitter, is at Alex Caruso. I'm always trying to post a good stat or something new or something funny, exciting every single day. Um, but the best ways you can listen to my content, fantasy football-wise, is at the Fresh Fantasy Podcast on 10 different podcast platforms. If you have it, I'm probably on it. But the, another big thing that if you like, you know, if you don't want to listen to a long podcast, find me on TikTok at Fresh underscore fantasy on TikTok. We've been blowing up on TikTok lately, putting a lot of good content out. Um, so please check me out there and let me know what you think. I'm always in the comments trying to talk to people. But like I said, new content coming out every single day, podcast twice a week, tweets every day. You can always find me. Thanks, Alex, man. Well, once again, man, we do appreciate your time, guys. Uh, this you. is for episode 427 in the books. Team preview the Pittsburgh Steelers. We'll be back on Monday. This episode will be dropping via podcast on Monday. Me and Sky are going to be recording the studs, the duds, the breakouts and sleepers on Monday to drop Tuesday. So more to come. But this is the end of our episode. Thanks for joining us again, guys. We appreciate you, Alex, for joining. And we'll talk to you guys very soon. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.